the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. Love Never Fails. Inviting you to join in the fight for love. There are millions of people who are trapped in modern-day slavery. Take a stand to do something against this injustice. Join the fight against human trafficking. If you truly love, set the captives Each week, this program sheds light on the needs of vulnerable people in our community who are impacted by human trafficking, homelessness, addiction, and abuse, and celebrates the work of those who are meeting them right where they are and expressing to them that they are precious, valued, and loved. Our goal is to see this radio audience move to compassion demonstrated in acts of service, generosity, and gifts of time. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. Thanks and welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. We are in the studio today with a powerhouse, just a wonderful uh, woman advocate, friend, partner, and um, fierce leader uh, who is the executive director of Missy, which is a black women led organization that works to prevent girls and gender expansive youth from ever entering circumstances of sexual exploitation and violence. We have to today with us, Dr. Jennifer Lyle and welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah. So a few things about Missy, we're going to be talking quite a bit about Missy, but um, you know, Missy is an organization that we have um, partnered with over the years and they, you guys support young people who are experiencing exploitation and, and provide them uh, alternatives and pathways to exit. And once they've exited, Missy uh, partners with them, the youth to and young young adults, so that they can avoid re-entering sexually exploitative circumstances and live free of of harmful transactional relationships. And I know for you personally, Jennifer, um, you've been working in these spaces for the last twenty five year, years, sort of advocating for women, girls and gender expansive youth and their families um, and, and really bringing your education and uh, that you, you know, you've kind of worked on over the years to bring that kind of care across continents, across community organizations, government agencies, schools, academia. And so I want to start off as I usually do, just asking you personally, Jennifer, like, why are you doing this work? Why is this so, uh, so important to you? Yeah. Thank you. So I was raised by two people who grew up in, you know, my mother grew up in the South, Tennessee, and my father grew up in Detroit, Michigan. And when they married and decided to have children, they realized that, you know, they were in Detroit at the time and they realized that wasn't a community that they felt like they could safely raise their children in the 60s. And Detroit was burning at the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so. They were able to get education, a lot of, to do with affirmative action. 
and they moved to Denver. Um, and they put us in circumstances where we could have really excellent education, really excellent opportunities. And they did that knowing that we would be giving back, and yeah. particularly giving back to African-American parents. Right? Mm. Yeah. Um, and my mother was a, a woman who really recognized what, what difference it made when women and girls had access mm-hmm. to things and, and how our, our brilliance really get, got to shine mm-hmm. um, because of that. And so um, that's always been, that was my you know, primary orientation to this work. Mm. And then um, I lived in Washington, D.C. for a time and I worked for, you know, sort of the, you know, the, the political realm. I was working for some politicians. And I saw in Washington, D.C., this was in the early 80s, that there were families, there were black families and young people. They didn't have shoes. They didn't have food. Um, The grocery stores had been decimated, you know. So it made me understand that, you know, initially I wanted to do international work. And I realized that home, you know, the United States had plenty of issues um, to address. Yeah. And so I came back and I was in academia for a minute and I realized that, yes, it's important to, to be in, engaged in, in research and teaching, but it's really, I'm, I'm a hands-on person. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to do hands-on work. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of my story. I, in Oakland, um, I'm originally from Denver, like I said, but I lived, I moved out to the Bay Area in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. And I became acquainted to um, some women who were doing economic justice. Mm. And they taught me, you know, I thought I'm educated. I've you know, got this middle class um, orientation to the world. And they said, okay, great. So that means you can mail envelopes. And I said, <laughs> what? Mm. And they taught me that the people who have the most to benefit and who the most at stake should be in leadership. And so they taught me, they gave me an orientation to how you do this work and how you engage and bring folks into leadership because they, they know how to do it. Yeah. One of the women Ethel used to say, if you, if you had a woman who had been on food stamps running the office of health and human services, (laughs) all the budget would be balanced. Right. (laughs) And we'd have some savings. Right. You know, you know, we know and we have a lot of at stake and it's our families and it's our community. So, yeah, that's how I came. That's how I came to it. I've always felt like if we focus on black women and girls, we will think about how we better create. We create better conditions for everyone. Yes. We're focusing on the folks who are experiencing the most abuse, the most you know, disruption of the system, then everybody can benefit. Yeah, I actually want to talk a little bit about that. And I think we're going to see that theme just today. We're going to talk, be talking about missing children and the disproportionality of missing black girls and missing black women and kind of the the lack of response to them being missing and why that is, right? Why is there... Um, not good systems of care and follow up. Um, and you and I have had a, a great opportunity, you know, doing some media work together to shine a light on this. And um, and it's 
it's it's something that you know we we kind of know in the back of our minds and and yet there isn't a whole lot that is being done as a matter of fact i i i often feel that um there's a lot going being done in the name of that that actually is counter that is actually not helpful to black girls and so we're going we're going to talk about that uh today um but i i wanted to just note um, a few things uh, that I heard from you, which I want, you know, I want to give some kudos to your parents for having that foresight to say, you know, where, where do we need to raise our children? Right. Which is a sad thing, right? Where, where do we need to move? Right. Where we can actually raise educated, healthy and safe children with the, with the thought of like, we're not abandoning this community, but we got to go get, we've got to go uplift our kids, get them to a place where they can come back. And care for these populate. I, I love that. And that is my value system as well. I moved to the boonies and, uh, you know, I was talking to actually Tanya Den- Dennis of Oakland Front- Frontline Healers. And she said, honey, I had to move so far away so I could get my mind right. And I said, I did, too. And I said, but it's not stopping me from being out on the street, you know, two and three times a week. I'm coming back every day. You know, I'm out there. But. I can't live there and get keep my mind right, and um, kind of a sad thing. Anyway, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll talk some more about that. I want to get your take on that. You know, in terms of integrating and being a, a resource and being a voice. Sometimes when you're not in the middle of the of the the trauma and the chaos, how does how does that work? How does that look? So we'll come right back and we're going to talk a little bit more about Missy as well. So. So let's uh, take a quick break and thank you for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash, consolidation, and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend. Are you struggling to find peace in your life, feeling anxious, or going through a difficult life storm? Scott Dixon, a Christian humanitarian filmmaker and host of the Dove Teachings web series, wants you to know that you are not alone. Go to doveteachings.org to see great Dove teaching lessons, pastor insights, and aspiring testimonies. You can watch the current show and more at doveteachings.org. That's D-O-V-E teachings.org, where you will find peace in your daily life through the teachings of Jesus. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today with Dr. Jennifer Lyle, and we are learning about um, the wonderful work that she's doing as the executive director of Missy uh, and just advocating for black uh, women girls and gender expansive youth uh, throughout the Bay Area and nation. And so I uh, wanted to come back in to talk a little bit more about the work that you're doing with Missy, but just a few data points that I like to share out 
um, you know, there's a report that really hit me pretty hard as I looked at it because intuitively we, we feel these things. We know that we see these disparities. We see the disproportionality in terms of black women and girls being impacted by violence, by la- lack of access to education, to sustainable income, to drug addiction, just, just the, all of the markers of have of, of trauma, right. And of, of living lives that are, you know, beneath what, what their abilities are, right. Beneath their, 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 their purpose. And I was just taken aback by a study that was called, it's called the 2017 Girlhood Interrupted Study that was done by Georgetown Law Center on Poverty and Inequality. And in that, um, and, and that, that um, it's called the Erasure of Black Girls Childhood. I rec- highly recommend that anybody who's listening take a look at it. They did a study of, of black girls ages five to 19. And what they found is that adults that were uh, studied or uh, surveyed believed that black girls five to 19 need less nurturing, less protection, less support, less comfort than white girls of the same age, and that black girls are more independent. They talk more about uh, adult topics and they know more about sex. And so there's just this, this lending itself to uh, the adultification of black girls and the ramification of 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 these beliefs right um which which are false right but the the fact that there are su- such a large group of 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 our society that kind of believes that is that you know nationally black girls are suspended more than more than five times more often than white girls black girls are 2.7 times more likely to be in a juvenile justice system um you know they there's a, a variety of I think I read another study that said that more than half of black girls are sexually assaulted. So there's, you know, this belief that you're ready for sex, right? So I'm going to engage you in sex much earlier than you are psychologically prepared to do so. So, so, so the markers are there, Jennifer. And I know that one of your focus area or your focus area as an organization is to support Black girls, women, and gender expansive youth um, that are being recruited or have been recruited into sex trafficking, right? And so, tell me more about um, how you, uh, you know, deal with the fact that there is this disproportionality. The are there are these societal biases, and um, and yet you're trying to create change. How do you do that? Yeah. So thank you so much for the that data. And it's always it's always you know, I know it, and like you said, we know it. It's always painful to hear. Mm-hmm. And it's painful that it's become so normalized. Yeah. And I, I want to say one other thing. Similar to the mythology that folks created around, you know, Black people to justify slavery, these mythologies about Black girls have been created and sustained to justify the horrible conditions within which we are trying to navigate the world. Right. Yes. So yes. our schools, all of that. I mean, I hear that all of the time. Even these social services systems agree with those kinds of things that you've just said. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things that's been important, you know, Missy is an organization that was founded by folks who really understood a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they address they were they were working very hard to address the problem. And what we and the, the problem was a problem was that young people are being um, sexually exploited. So, you know, I started at Missy three years ago and we, there's a lot of foundational work 
So we were able to look a little bit higher and further and understand we will never address this issue of sexual exploitation if we're not identifying and naming what's going on. And one of the priority things that's going on is that Black girls are being targeted mm-hmm. and gender, gender expansive youth, but really Black girls are being targeted mm-hmm. when you look at the disproportionate numbers mm-hmm. um, in the United States. Mm-hmm. So we had to name that. We also had to identify what are the conditions, mm-hmm. right? It's not just that no, no child wakes up and says, I'm going to be sexually exploited. That's what I want, right? right? Even if they tell you they want to get their hair done and their nails done, it doesn't mean that they want to be sexually exploited. That's it. They want to have care and nurturing, right? Right. So we had to look at what are the conditions for this. So a lot of things that are happening, people don't have housing, they don't have food. And one of the major things that we see that's true for every young person that we serve is that they have experienced multiple complex trauma as a young person. So all of those things that you're talking about have been a part of their experience. Mm-hmm. And if we're not addressing that, then we can get them out every single day and they're going to go back or they'll go back into some other kind of transactional relationship that's detrimental to their well-being. Yeah. So th- those are the things that we, we focus on as an organization. So we focus on that with the young people we serve. And then you and I are talking about how we do this with the staff, right? Because right. we choose staff who are Black women mm-hmm. who have shared those experience, experiences of the, of the youth that we serve. Right. And we have to be able to take care of ourselves. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that, you know, the organization is responsible for the care of our staff. It means that the organization has to create conditions that staff care for themselves. Yeah. That they're paid well, that they're moved up to the organization and that they love the people that we serve. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Uh, so you and I have talked about this 92% of love never fails staff um, are survivors of gender based uh, violence, including human trafficking, domestic violence, interpersonal violence, 92%. And we have men and women working there, all races, you know, all socioeconomic stat, you know, genders, all of it. So, um, but it's so hard, like to your point, um, to actually have a place where people feel that care. And when when the people giving the care are not cared for, not to say that is the just the organization's responsibility, but it's sort of like to your point, it's 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 challenging as a nonprofit when you're on these shoestring budgets, if you don't have the capacity, right, to love on that kind of an employee in the right way. And like you said, like pay them sustainable wages so that they can afford to go get counseling or they can like my husband and I went on a marriage retreat last week and it was two days. And I would that my whole staff could go on two days of marriage retreat with their families. Um, But, you know, that's easy to say, but you've got to create the infrastructure, right. To be able to do that. And so, I know you are really doing a great job at bolstering, you know, getting the right kind of funding in and the right kind of strategy in to do that. Yeah, you know, it's back to the point that you made earlier that, you know, you don't have to be in the mix, in the fray, in the chaos 
to make a contribution. And in fact, it's better that you're not, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, you know, I don't want our team to have all this chaos happening in their lives and that they're engaged in chaos all the time. We need to be able to sit back and say, wait a minute, I'm well. Mm-hmm. I am so well. I, I have an understanding and a measure that this is the wellness that I want you to achieve and beyond. Oh, yeah, right? that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're modeling it, right? And and the only thing that does make me uh, a little sad there, I'm sure it does as you, Jennifer, is like the places that we go oftentimes where there's lack of chaos and there's peace and, and they are not places where a lot of black people are. Exactly. And so for, for a time, and I just say this to myself, it's, it's what is, has to happen right now, but I'm doing everything in my power that, that my neighbors would be homeowners that are, you know, black women, um, and black men and, 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 and people that have, you know, historically been, overlooked or unable to obtain that for me, that's everything until I'm, I won't be done until my folks are saying, which is happening a lot now, Jennifer, I don't know what's going on. It's too much success. Anyway, we got to take a quick break. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to come back and I want to hear from you about a little bit more about like what you're seeing in the spot, you know, well, you've changed the name. So we're, we're going to talk a little bit about your new programs, your new structures, and how you actually provide this, this care and support to the people that you serve as well as your staff. So we'll come right back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com. PitchPerfectPresentations.com Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio with Dr. Jennifer Lyle, who is the Executive Director of Missy, just having a great conversation about how we stay healthy and care for ourselves and also love and and uplift those that we serve, in particular, black uh, girls and women uh, that are and and gender expansive youth in the Bay Area is the charter of Missy. And I want to just bring that in. So tell me more about what you are doing tangibly uh, to serve uh, those that you serve and um, and also your staff. So I wanted to say one thing before um, that, 
before we went into the break. Yeah. You were saying that there are these organizations or these spaces where there's care and care is integrated and, you know, it's expansive. And, you know, when you were saying that, we're creating it. Mm-hmm. We're creating it because, yeah. you know, black folks aren't always safe or welcome to enter those places, but we're creating it. And one thing that I want to really acknowledge about you is I watch you in chaos, crazy spaces, all these things, and you just have this kind, gentle, loving way of being. Oh, oh. There's, there's never a question about that. And I think that that's something that, you know, is essential to bring. You know, you don't have to bring like $200,000 to the table if you're bringing a loving way of, you know, like calming someone's heart. Oh, wow. Thank you. And I I think that that's something that we're trying to be. Yeah. Um, And, you know, what does it look like? Um, You know, that means that we have excellent training. Um, We have, we require all of the staff to understand not only CSEC, but complex multiple trauma. Mm-hmm. We have um, access to organizations and people that provide them training and support um, because because we hire survivors um, of you know gender based violence, but also the multiple systems that yeah. haven't served us. You know, a lot of people are coming with a lot of trauma and stress. Yeah, so we have to create conditions that they can address those, and it doesn't impede their. Uh, capacity to serve young people. Yeah. So we have what we call the Star Center, and mm-hmm. it's it stands for Sisters Transforming and Rising. Mm-hmm. Um, it was named by young people who come there, and you know, mostly what we see are youth, you know, in the seventeen to twenty five range, and the prior the biggest thing that they're looking for is a safe adult yeah and they never say that um you know they'll say what can you give me what do we have but they end up engaging in a way where it's just like you can see their heart opening a little yeah Mm -hmm. because they can there's someone that they can trust who who's feeding them we provide um, hot meals um Mm -hmm. we provide hygiene packets we have a, you know, some beautiful clothes donated by you uh-huh. and other organizations. So, you know, talking them through like, what's, what do clothes make you feel good about yourself? Right. You don't mm-hmm. have to, it's not showing for anyone. Yeah. They sit, they do art. So they're doing safe things. Now, a lot of young okay. people, because trauma has interrupted development, they're very um, emotionally young. So those of us who've experienced intense trauma, developmentally, emotionally, we're very young. Mm-hmm. And so being in that space where you're just kind of coddled, um, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It doesn't mean that we don't have expectations. Right. Um, it just means that, you know, you're held. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I feel it in my, in my, in my body as you're talking, um, you know, being someone who is a survivor of complex trauma and, and uh, just knowing how deeply that was needed for me to start my healing journey um, just for someone to take up space with you. I mean, it's that simple, like stand next to me, look at me, talk, talk kindly to me, you know, offer me, I I can't tell you a few times I've been with um, people and they're like, you know, they think because I'm the executive director, they're supposed to uh, serve me. I'm like, no, 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 sit down. 
I'm going to make your soup or your plate or whatever. And they're like, you're going to make my plate. Yeah, I'm going to make your plate. And I tell them I play with them. I say, I'm a mama you up. And they're like, okay. And, you know, and just that is so simple, right? Very, very. A lot of times people, you know, when I go out to speak, they say, how can I prevent my daughter from, you know, because, you know, know, we have a a real history. Black folks have a real history in the United States, right? So Mm -hmm. our daughters, like you were saying, have been subject to more harm and crime Mm. and at the hands of police even Mm -hmm. than any other group. Mm. Right. And so, of course, we're like protective of them. Yeah. Sometimes that protection doesn't look like what what young people need. Yeah. So people always ask me, how can I prevent my daughter, you know, from getting into this? And they think I'm going to say, well, you know, she needs to stop dressing like that or she needs to stop stop Mm -hmm. being too fast. Mm -hmm. I think some of that stuff about my own child. Mm -hmm. What I, I know is you'll speak to her gently and kindly. Yeah. Give her a soft face. Tell her how absolutely awesome she is yeah because that's what pimps do right you don't back it up with anything right right and yeah. when you when she understands all of the power that she has and all the loving that yeah. is coming her way the, the the pimps can't even touch her come on they now. wouldn't even bother with her no right? so it happens with us at yeah home. well and part of the challenge and, and see this is where the historical piece comes from because when you have generational trauma, I can tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll use an example. And my mom is white, um, but, you know, she's raising interracial child and um, she's a survivor. She experienced a lot of abuse um, coming, you know, as she was a young teenager and um, really with my dad, just a ton of abuse, PTSD, all kinds of stuff. And so when people did things to me, my mom would shut down there would be no response. So I took that to mean I didn't matter. Yep. And, and then I've seen my other girlfriends that they have a, some of their families have a flight response or a fight response when something comes up. So let's say someone's looking at you crazy because of what you're wearing. You know, some p- parents, they go, look, you're shaming my, my, my family. Look at you, what you're wearing. You're, you're fast. And you, you know why? Cause they're triggered. Why? Because they got raped when they wore those shorts. Exactly. They got molested. So they know somebody who got or, raped. Yeah, right. Exactly. So now they're all, there's all kinds of counter-transference going on and everything exactly. else. And here's the thing. I need the listening audience to be empathetic here. And, you know, how do you find your way out of this? You can't just stop a trigger. You can't just, you know, like I can sit up and be mad at my mom. You didn't respond. You didn't say anything. But no, the compassionate part of my heart has to say, mom, you weren't well. You couldn't respond. You couldn't protect me. And this is such a, why is there this disproportionality? Why? Because there's this whole people group that came here under duress, under abuse, and it has just replicated itself in such an insidious way such that we can't properly protect and or love. Come on, our children, right? The, the way uh, even my, uh, as healed as I am, years of counseling, there are certain things that I see my daughter doing and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so afraid. I'm so scared. I'm so, exactly uh, right? How can we help it? And, and that's why, you know, one of the things is like, not only do our organizations create conditions for young people to have safe, safety, yeah, love, 
Um, but we have to create conditions for the community within which we exist. So our staff, yeah. ourselves, because that's real. That's, yeah. People say, how do you decide which you know, youth are being you know, exploited or vulnerable? And I just think, okay, so if she's a black girl growing up in Oakland, there's a high chance that she has experienced one of these things or right. members of her family have. Right. And the other thing about the triggers, I'm really glad that you, you brought that up. One of the things, so my, my trigger is fight, right? Yeah. And it has served me. It yes. has served me to get in and out. And the point when it stops serving us mm. is when it starts to kill us, right. right? So it hurts our bodies. It hurts our relationships. And that's what we're trying to understand for ourselves and for the young people. Because a lot of the young people that we work with are also fight. So right. I see it coming and I was like, yeah. okay, you know, yeah. hold your palms or breathe so that it's like, use that fight when you're, you know, defending yourself or use right. that fight when you know you've got to get out. Yeah. Don't use that fight when for everything. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Cause you can't. And so that, you know, they're starting to, to balance that out. Um, but I think that's the same for the families that serve in sport. It's like, you don't, you, if you create the right conditions, you know, our children are amazing. They're amazing and they will excel. And so we just have to create a community. And then we also have to say, you know, stop. We right. have to tell these people, you can't do this to our children. Yes. We can't just protect them. We also have to say, you can't do it. Yeah. yeah. So we got to take a quick break, but I, I want to, when we come back, I want to talk about something. It's physiological because sometimes the listening audience needs to hear this about cortisol. We're going to talk about cortisol as it relates to what you just said. Um, and so you'll want to come right back. We'll, we'll, we'll hear back from Jen, Dr. Jennifer Lyle. And thank you for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash, consolidation, and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend. Hi, I'm Sandra Herrera, CEO of Case Industries. I've found that many employers are looking for ways to help the community but don't know how. I encourage you to consider supporting Love Never Fails as a corporate sponsor. Love Never Fails offers all the resources necessary to help young women and men overcome the trauma of exploitation and abuse. And that's why I'm proud to have Case Industries supporting Love Never Fails Radio. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today with Dr. Jennifer Lyle, who is the executive director of Missy, just talking about um, the experience of, you know, generational trauma and um, safe places and ways to engage with uh, with girls, in particular, black girls and women and gender expansive youth in the in the uh, Bay Area. And so I wanted to just just bring that back in, because when you were talking about 
um, the impact that fight, right? So our trauma response is fight, flight, freeze. Um, I think there's a fourth. Um, there's people Yeah. So, but, you know, we always hear about fight or flight. Those are the two that main ones that you hear about. And, and with fight, uh, I read a study that said um, that it takes three whole days to unravel the cortisol that builds up in your body after a fight experience, three whole days. Those experiences can be, that duration of time actually can be reduced uh, in a third, like down to like three hours if you are provided some kind of empathy and some kind of loving engagement after you experience that fight experience. But what I couldn't, you know, and then even further, what in the study, it said that what happens is that the cortisol level going to that high level creates hypertension, creates diabetes, creates cancer, create. So there's, there's these markers also for having very poor health in the black community. Um, and there's no doubt in my mind that there's a correlation between constantly living in this sort of trauma mode and in particular fight mode, even when you don't have to, as you said, Jennifer, right? You said, you know, we, we're doing it even when we don't have to because it's all we know to do. And we're just staying in this high cortisol, high stress, high hypertension space, and it's killing us. Wow. Yeah. And it's never allowing our, our brain to redesign itself because it's, there are certain parts of the brain that the development is interrupted because of trauma. Yeah, there's the there's a functioning of the body that's interrupted because of that trauma, right? And the weight, the response, and so you know that's why, like you said, we have all of those autoimmune disorders and cancer, and all of those things are coming. Um, but also that our everything, everything, the way we are successful in school, mm-hmm. the way we have access to fun and joy, is all interrupted by that sustaining of um, trauma and response. There's beautiful books. um, You may have already read these by Gabor Mate. Mm -hmm. Some great stuff around substance abuse. And and Vanderkolk, you know, the body keeps the score. Yes. So, and it's just like, and, you know, for people to recognize, they're like, oh, there are sometimes people that don't even, I mean, they don't even recognize that that's what it is. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, you know, getting back to, so, you know, if we talk about, you know, missing girls, you know, I've recently, lots of people have been asking, you know, who's looking for black girls and what's going on. And I feel like a really important question is, I mean, we know that they're not looking for our girls. We know, you know that because you're looking for our girls. Right. So just, just, I wanted to bring some of the, I I was reading an article that says, um, how the adultification of black girls allowed R. Kelly to go through with decades of abuse against black, black girls. And this article talks about these 10 black women that came forward to talk about the coercive sex that they were engaging with, with R. Kelly. And we, and I'll be, I'll admit I was one of them. Um, when I saw that he was with Aaliyah was with him, for example, I was like, Oh, you know, that's cute. I, because of my, you know, abusive uh, situation of origin, I literally did not see anything wrong at my age because I was uh, around Aaliyah's age when she was being harmed. 
And I too was being harmed myself at that time. So I just was like, oh, you know, you know, 30 year old with the 16 year old, you know, like I, I didn't see a problem with it because of this adultification, because of this generational situation. And so anyway, this article goes on to say this is feeding in to this this whole kind of acceptance of black girls being missing, black girls being trafficked. And and the FBI noted that in 2020 alone, more than 70,000 black girls under 18 were missing. 70,000. 70,000. And it's like it's become um, just an accepted, you know, just status quo, like, oh, yeah, she's missing. And we've even come to this place, right, we, where we talked about this in our when we met with, uh, I think it was NBC or whatever, we we talked about it. It's, uh, you know, the people, our, our girls are gone for weeks and then they're found and, and we say found safe, you know, yeah. found safe well, after they've been raped and sold for two exactly. weeks. And th- that adultification, I think, is also just a justification for we don't have to take care of them. We don't have to look after her. We don't have to be responsible for that, right? Mm. So when you have this many young people um, who are out on the street, I didn't know she was 16. Uh, yes, you did. Yeah. Yes, you did. Yeah. And you knowing that she was 16, 14, 15, 12 would have meant that you had to take responsibility and right. you would have to hold all of these systems accountable. It's the same with the foster care system. Mm-hmm. The foster care system is a mess across mm-hmm. the United States mm-hmm. and it doesn't serve young people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And what do we do about it? And wh- how is it that we have so many people that we have enlisted into foster care that are not accountable to these children and don't have the capacity? Yeah. I've seen babies yeah. out with some other people and someone is collecting a check. And again, you know, I was a foster parent. Mm-hmm. I was a good foster parent. I took care. Right. And I think for the most part, I hope that people do. But the thing is, is who are the ones that are falling into those systems? It's primarily black kids. Yeah. We're seeing more um, newcomer families, newcomer youth in there. Um, There are white, low income families, but for the most part, it's black kids. Mm -hmm. And so, again, we have a system that doesn't have to be accountable. Yeah. Like a partial system. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, there are times where I'm like, okay. Like I, one of my, uh, a woman that attends my church is a supervisor for, um, uh, you know, at CFS and and social and social services. And she's black. She's a survivor of trauma. She's a survivor of, you know, all kinds of different things, including exploitation. And, and she's the supervisor. And then all the people that are working in there are very similar profile, right? So we go back to this thing where it's like the hurting. Are, are are caring for the hurting the best way that they know how with these caseloads of these stacks and st- I mean like unrealistic caseloads yeah and you know and 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 I know many social workers literally that have cried with me oh yeah and, they have caseloads of seventy five to eighty people you yeah. cannot be successful Mm-mm. even if you you know you your heart was completely in it there's no way you could successfully manage that. No, it's not a system. And the people who are over the system yeah. are, you know, I had a conversation with the head of um, this San Diego um, social services system and foster mm-hmm. care. 
who came when I was a student at the University of Michigan and talked about the demographics, right? What we knew. And I asked a question as foolish as I was, and I knew, but I said, why are so many black families in this system? And he said, oh, you know, he said to my face Mm. in front of all of these people, you know, black mothers are always, sometimes they yell and they scream and they don't know how to navigate. They don't, they don't know how to behave. Mm. And I, I, I just had to take my stuff because that was a flight. I took my stuff and I walked out of the room. Yeah. That's really how they see us. Mm. And this was not that long ago. Wow. So, and it doesn't matter that if we're in harmful uh, systems, it doesn't matter that the employees are treated with harm, right? Uh. It's harmful to put someone in front of 85 cases. No. Outrageous. No. Set them up for failure. Straight up. And it's, and it's awful and exhausting because you're dealing with these awful stories. Yeah. Awful stories. And then, you know, they, you know, you have these folks, it's kind of like a badge of honor that it doesn't affect you. Right. That it's like, oh, yeah, it's just a, on the day. And then you pop up with cancer, exactly. diabetes. Exactly. Whatever and else. Abuse issues. So <laughs> it's not. And people want to get in there to help. But they, it's, it's not possible. Yeah. So, OK, well, gosh, I could just go on and on with you. I love talking to you, Jennifer, and uh, appreciate you so much. We're going to take a quick break um, and come back and talk about how people can learn more from you, get engaged and support you. Um, So we'll come right back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com. PitchPerfectPresentations.com Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. Welcome back. Thank you for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. Again, we've been in studio today with Dr. Jennifer Lau. Thank you so much for being with us today. Enjoy it. Yeah. Thank you for you. <laughs> so tell me how people can, first of all, let, let the listening audience know how they can support you um, and how they can follow up with you if they want to learn more. Sure. So there are a couple of different things that we do to bring community into our work. One is we ask people to share our work. Um, and that is um, share with other people what's going on in this community. Um, bring Missy or other powerful organizations to the consciousness of folks in this community. Um, you can also invite us to speak or present. We do speaking and workshops and presentations to talk about prevention and the issue. 
Another way is that you can volunteer with us. We have lots of opportunities um, for folks to support our work. And we're always looking for thoughts and ideas about how we can expand it because we can't do it ourselves. So we invite volunteers and then we fundraise. So you can give us money. Um, you can give us a check. You can, we don't accept many donations because we want to give young people things that are new. Um, if we, ha- we have the resources, so we want to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, we can check, you can fundraise, you can have a birthday fundraiser. Um, this is our 15th year anniversary. So we're trying to raise um, $150,000 or $15 million. Um, so you can give $150,000, you can give $15, you can give $1,500, you can give $15,000. Um, or you can um, sponsor a fundraiser. And we can be reached at info, I-N-F-O, at Missy, that's Missy with three S's, M-I-S-S-S-E-Y dot org. Um, you can also see us at our new beautiful website, which is www.missy.org. And you can, you know, reach out to me. I'm Jennifer at Missy.org. Beautiful. Well, thank you again. So appreciate you and your team. I got to say just a little shout out to the team that has been loving on our ladies and giving supplies periodically. Um, we, we've we had, a, like, our staff is like, ooh. The Missy event is off the chain. You know, they're, they're getting over there and they really like collaborating with your team. And then the late, you know, our ladies are, are really um, getting some beautiful items from that event as well. So we appreciate it. Um, and, and uh, yeah, just keep, keep on going. So um, just a few things about Love Never Fails. Um, so we have a few uh, things I want to remind you of. We want to, we have a save the date for you. It's in 2023. We're being very proactive here. Um, please save the date for March 11th. That is our annual gala. We'll be getting invites out to you very soon. It will be at the Blackhawk Country Club. We've locked that in and um, we'll have details for you about our keynote speaker, uh, which I, I think uh, will um, be a great uh, bit of information for you as well. And then we'll always have our our artists and dancers and whatnot that come and and kind of complement that process and survivor leaders speaking out and bringing voice to to the day. So excited about that. Also wanted to bring to your attention, we are partnering, uh, we're, we're partnering with several agencies in East Palo Alto. We're super excited about that. We have formed the East Palo Alto Against Human Trafficking Coalition there. And um, we will have our first event at St. Francis Assisi at 9.30 a.m. and at 1.30 p.m. Uh, during their services, it will be a just a very short share. But if you're in the EPA area, and it will be in Spanish, by the way, so that is at St. Francis Assisi, please come on out and listen to one of our survivor leaders. We'll be uh, sharing a little bit of her testimonial, and then we're going to hand out door hangers, and we're going to make sure that every house in EPA has a door hanger that tells them how that they can get help and support. Um, we're also working on a similar project with the city of Milpitas, and we're hoping to bring this to cities across the Bay Area, um, a three-pronged uh, strategy to provide awareness, uh, provide public safety, and provide education. And I hope that we can pull Missy into the mix here. I'm also hoping that we can pull West Coast Children's Clinic into the mix and a variety of other just amazing agencies that are working regionally. So um, this will be uh, this will be more to come on this city on the hill is the name of that program. So look more to come on that. Also um, wanted to let you know that we have 
a um, a golf event coming up in October. Um, just a heads up. I don't have the date locked in yet, but we are going to be out um, doing some golfing. I'm not a golfer. I don't know much about it, but there are some fancy folk on our board that do. So they will. We'll. I'll share more with you as we come. And, um, and lastly, we are always in need of things. Just you know, toiletries, clothing. A variety of things that we need, and we've established an Amazon wish list. It's on our essential uh, essential needs wish list, and so that's on our website. If you go uh, to loveneverfailsus.com and look under the ways you can help, you will see it there. Uh, you can also reach out to Amina, A-M-I-N-A, at loveneverfailsus.com. We are in need of a dryer right now. Um, and we just need things like that that uh, maybe you might be able to support us with. So we welcome you to check us out there. That's about all I have for today. Of course, I want to remind you um, as we go, if you haven't heard it before or if you need to hear it again, remember that you are loved. Thanks for joining us this week on Love Never Fails Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and love and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at loveneverfailsus.com, by liking and sharing our Facebook page, Facebook slash Love Never Fails Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. This program is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in human trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to loveneverfailsus.com and click on the radio show link. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries, as well as supporters from Faith Fellowship, New Hope Christian Fellowship, and the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. On behalf of Vanessa and the whole team at Love Never Fails, thank you for listening, and thank you even more for committing to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Give up a chance, give up your General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.